Hey, I'm Nick Raboy, and I'm with my co-host, Mike Lynn. And in this episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking to Elaine Umbuku, who is one of the community members of MongoDB. And he's actually used what he's learned over the years to create his own project called Ybits, which is a unique file sharing application that uses GridFS within MongoDB. So if you're interested in learning about GridFS, and why bits and overall being a member of the MongoDB community, this is the episode for you. The only constant in software is change. Software, data, and all things MongoDB. Welcome to the MongoDB podcast with your hosts, Michael Lynn and Nick Raboy. Elaine, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on board. I'm really excited to learn more about Ybits, but before we do, before we go there, uh, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Who are you? Hi, Mike. Uh, happy to be here as well. Uh, my name is Alain Buku. I'm a security engineer. I work at one of the big data company uh, here at New York. Um, and uh, outside of work, I'm just a simple hacker, just uh, learning things under the hood, how they work and make a uh, uh, a web a better place. Outstanding. And uh, we're talking today because uh, we we came across one of the things that you've created. Uh, it's called Ybits, ybits.io for those listening in. And I was personally pretty intrigued. Um, I have a need for, for uh, the solution that this product provides. And I uh, was really intrigued when I took a look at it at, at first. And I'm wondering if you could describe the product for the folks listening in, what is Ybits? And then we'll talk about we'll talk a little bit about your motivation for creating it. Great, thanks. Um, Ybits is a simple service that it's a simple share, file sharing service uh, that helps uh, users to uh, send files uh, encrypted, and the files can be any type, can be any size, uh, without restrictions. And the the beauty of it as well, uh, while they send those files, everything is encrypted. Ah, so you've got security in mind, obviously, as a hacker. You're, you're encrypting the files, you're transmitting them securely over the wire, and where are you storing them? Are you storing them in, in an encrypted format as well? Yeah, so the file is sent through uh, the TLS form, uh, uh, channel, and then once it's reached the middleware server, it's encrypted before saving it into uh, a storage place. So at rest, at rest, the data is encrypted. So it's not like a default encryption by uh, whatever service are used for the storage, but the data itself gets first encrypted before it gets stored. So if, if I'm not mistaken, you actually, part of this idea actually came out from your involvement of being a community, community member with MongoDB, correct? That's correct. That's correct. So uh, part of it, um, when I was thinking and having these ideas, what, uh, what technology to use and how to, I came up with it was uh, I was exploring uh, MongoDB and MongoDB had this feature called GridFS. And through GridFS, I was looking at, like, what, uh, can I use MongoDB to store my data uh, with, uh, through this service? And uh, actually, it was possible with GridFS. And, um, and uh, unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of documentation at that time when I, was, when I was using the service. And I came across with Nick. 
and uh, I asked Nick, hey, I was following your, your tutorial, but uh, is there any way you have documentation for this? And there was need. And he said, why not write the, uh, that documentation? Then we can publish it. And uh, that's how I get connected also with the MongoDB community. So I wrote an article for everyone listening. Uh, go check it out how to, especially for those who do uh, movie streaming uh, services, they can go check out the, uh, the quick stats with great FS that I wrote. And that's uh, that's actually directly on the MongoDB blog, and he wrote it in, in GoLang. So uh, it's a it's a really cool t- tutorial. Um, honestly, personally, I have I didn't even know about GridFS until Elaine brought it up, uh, and I'm a part of MongoDB, so it's pretty interesting. That's great. And so for the folks that that um, are listening in and are thinking, what is GridFS? What is this all about? Um, GridFS. So MongoDB has a maximum document size of 16 megabytes. That's a that's a hard limit. You can't store a document that's larger than 16 megabytes. But if you want to, we give you this driver level protocol, this driver level level capability, and it's it's offered as a service called GridFS. GridFS will chunk your documents up to a maximum of 16 megabytes. Let's say you want to store a movie and uh, you want to store it in MongoDB. You can send that 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 movie could be a couple of hundred megabytes. MongoDB's driver level will chunk that document, that, that movie up into 60 megabyte chunks and uh, and store them along with a, a meta document describing each of those. So you know how many you have and, and what's in each. Um, so that's it's great to hear that somebody's actually using this successfully. I'm just curious, had you, had you thought of perhaps using an object store like S3 or something like that um, as opposed to MongoDB? That's right. Um, I had a lot of use cases with that. Um, I look at S3, I look at Minio, if you have heard about Minio, because it's also, yeah, they're also an object storage service. But I wanted something that is easier, that, that has everything in one place. And MongoDB provided me that option because under the hood of YBitter.io, uh, there are metadata that I needed to use, right? There are metadata to, to, that I can query easily. And then uh, I didn't want to have other external services. I wanted everything in one place. Um, and with, with GridFS, I was able to have to, when you send the data into, the, uh, into uh, MongoDB, you have that metadata ready for you. So that that's the, the the main reason I went for uh, with MongoDB. So what kind of got you into MongoDB? Of all of your options that exist out there, can you can you talk about your story on on how you started learning about MongoDB? Uh, maybe did you start with GoLang as as your language of choice and uh, our driver? Just tell us about your experience. Yeah, sure. Um, so. The story with MongoDB started with um, I was I was looking at to acquire new um, new skills uh, just to better myself as a security engineer because sometimes when you deal with developers they come with some new technologies and you you don't know what it is so we want to be ahead of the game um, and then I, in my bucket list I had to learn a NoSQL database. And when I was looking at uh, trying to see, okay, what are the NoSQL database out there and which which one is more popular? Because the one that is more popular is the one that people will go and use. And um, and MongoDB was uh, one of the was on the top of the list. And I was like, and I look at and I look at all the use cases of of uh, MongoDB, and I see it was more prevalent to use MongoDB than any 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 other 
than any other uh, NoSQL databases that I've seen. And, um, and also I was looking at how easy it was to use with, uh, with, other, with the language of my choice, right? And, and were the drivers available, uh, were the documentation ready, and part of it that was, was also the key um, for me to get interest into MongoDB and exploring more about MongoDB. Yeah. Had had you used any non, um, or or I'll say, have, had you used any relational databases prior? Yes, I've used uh, mainly uh, MySQL and Postgres, mm-hmm. like everything that is SQL mostly related, except Microsoft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, how is the learning curve coming from uh, those other types of databases? I would say personally, I made uh, it was a great transition. It was actually also an easy transition. The fact that most of what I needed, I found it with um, uh, in with MongoDB, especially with the drivers, as well as the documentation. Actually, it's it's really well structured. Uh, they are really well structured documentation, and they are easy, uh, you know, to get going uh, a tutorial and. Um, the only the only thing was just knowing like okay when I do my query I'm looking for a document is I'm not looking for you know so different technology between a normal uh, other databases than NoSQL like you have document storage and there you have so in regards to uh, Ybits um, so are you use making use of Atlas at all for uh, hosting this or are you hosting it on prem somewhere? Uh, currently, it's on prem. Um, I'm hosting. I'm hosting it on prem. I'm using the community edition of MongoDB, and uh, I, I do actually use Atlas where I send some of their uh, the, the the stats because I did see with with uh, with MongoDB you can send some stats even though you're not really using Atlas, but you can send some stats that you can look at how your server is performing and all the kind of kind of uh, uh, stuff. So that's how I'm using uh, Atlas. Yep. Yeah, that's the free monitoring tier with uh, with MongoDB's Community Edition. That's great. That, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and and so you're not hosting in Atlas. I was going to ask you if you're using free tier, uh, but that's obviously not the case. So you're self-hosting, and how much data? How ma- how many users do you have today? What do the numbers look like? Um, that's a great question. Uh, it's it's fairly in a beta edition. Uh, it's still in the beta. So uh, we don't have a large number of users, uh, but uh, as soon as we, we have a mature uh, deployment, probably we'll see an increase of, of usage. Can I ask about revenue? Do you have a, a plan to, to become profitable with Ybits? That's a good question. Um, I, I don't know yet what to say about that. So that will come along the line as we add more features, as we look at the, the market needs and we'll see. So it's totally free to use. Yes, right now it's free to use, uh, no string attached. Yeah, terrific. So what's um what's on the roadmap for Ybits? What can we what can we look forward to in terms of of roadmap for for functionality? Um, as of now, uh, with Ybits, um, you know the the freedom is limitless, right? Um, I've I've created it. Um, one fun uh, uh, fun story, the fun fact. Um, another another uh, driver that that really pushed me to build Ybits was I was working on a terminal, 
And uh, I got a text from a friend. He asked me, hey, can you send me this file? And I didn't want to leave a terminal. I just wanted to be on my terminal and I wanted to put where the file is located and I wanted to, uh, to just key in the email address and then just push enter and the guy received the file. And I didn't find any other tool. So currently I am building a CLI for it, uh, which users could just use and they will just get download the binary and they can use YBits from the terminal. They don't have to go on the website and, and very easy to use as well. So that's in the pipeline and, uh, would be really soon. So I, I have some questions around that. So, uh, playing around with YBits on the web, I mean, you, you drag a file into it, you provide an email address. Um, so with your CLI that you're planning on implementing, uh, you're just doing some kind of maybe a pipe command, uh, to, to, to send the file. And it just, it provides you a link that you send to, um, your friend or it emails them directly. What exactly would happen? It emails them directly. So the same way it works on their, on the web, like the browser, it will be the same way uh, with the CLI as well. Yes. Will this be perhaps an NPM module that we can install via command line? Probably, yes. Uh, I, I'm still looking at what the, the easiest way to do it um, for especially everything I'm building it in Go. So probably just I'm just going to uh, have a binary ready that, uh, people can use either via NPM, either um, uh, via Homebrew. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Um, have you thought about adding maybe mobile functionality at all? Like, um, have you taken a look at Realm and uh, what it offers? Maybe maybe send some files from iOS and Android. Actually, when when I finished the the, the development of YB.io, I reached out to a couple of friends and and people who were really non-techie. I said, can you test this? And one of the questions they were asking me, is there a mobile app for it? So that also it's on the pipeline. Uh, we'll be starting looking at to build their native iOS and Android application. Yep. And that it's going to be much easier for uh, other users to use as well. So stepping back to security for just a moment. Now, these, these files are stored in GridFS. They're stored in an encrypted format, uh, which is good. But um, are there any identifiable elements in the data for the person sending or receiving the data? That's a good question. Um, everything that is stored, it's completely anonymous. Um, so... Every, it's just uh, some cryptogra cryptography, uh, cryptographic uh, hashing files which are in, in MongoDB that I query that identify each individual file. So there is, I don't store users' data, I don't store their emails, I don't store their, so nothing is logged. Everything is anonymous. Yeah. And I noticed on the, on the drag and drop page, you can store it for, I think it was up to a week. Are you using a an, an index to delete or remove the data after a week? That's right. So the good that's also one of the main reasons I chose MongoDB. MongoDB provides you uh, a, t a time to leave uh, options. So uh, I created that index, which uh, when you say, okay, I need the file to be available for uh, you know a couple of days. Um, so the through that index, MongoDB will look at the metadata and then if it reaches the time, then it deletes the file. However, the very interesting part is on the, the file, the, the chunks which are stored in MongoDB. 
Uh, unfortunately, currently there isn't a you know out of the box TTL for grid FS, which actually a very uh, strong recommendation that I would want to uh, MongoDB to implement. Uh, so that I have I have a cron job that checks with the metadata. If that metadata is not there, then then it takes out the the, the file. Yeah. Ah, okay, great. Kind of a skulker. So I smell uh, enterprise use class, perhaps maybe a tiered offering where users can pay and have their files stored for longer. Is that something that you've been thinking about? Actually, it did come across when I was thinking of it. Uh, one day I might have an enterprise user with this particular use case. And um, I'm ready for all those uh, feedback and whoever is interested, we'll work with them and see how we can provide that service for them. So I, I know that you're not currently all in on Atlas right now. You're only using it for a small uh, section. But I mean, uh, there is Stitch, uh, which is going to be called Realm um, in the future. Okay. Uh, there's, there's what's known as triggers uh, with, with Realm. So these triggers, I mean, I could imagine they would be valuable to you in the sense that as new data is added to MongoDB, maybe it triggers off an email for you. So that way you don't have to integrate um, any kind of email services directly inside of your application. I mean, I don't, I don't know how your code is working currently, but I could imagine it, it might make your life a little easier in, in some sense. To be honest, I'm glad to hear about this feature. I didn't know about it, so I will definitely put it on my to-do list and look for uh, look how it works and see how I can integrate it with my uh, with my application. Yep, mm. that sounds really appealing. Actually, I will look into that. <laughs> it's it's great that to have. It's great to see all the innovation about MongoDB. For example, the uh, third level encryption. That's that's really also a very a, a big piece of why bits why bit.io because I have to encrypt certain fail, for example, the encryption key. I don't want people, even someone get access to uh, to you know something might happen, the encryption key it's already encrypted, so they won't have access to decrypt their the data that is stored. So um, that's good to hear and this feature. I mean Let's see all those features coming to make our lives easier. <laughs> yeah, you've got a very interesting app idea. Um, and there are a ton of features, I think, that uh, you could definitely leverage when it comes to expanding upon this project that you've done. Right, Mike? Absolutely. I'm, I'm really curious. So I'm delivering a, a talk about um, startups that, that launch for obviously low cost. They, they use stack elements that are either free or low cost. Um, you've mentioned MongoDB that's uh, available for, for free. You could download it and launch it on-prem. Um, we have uh, the, the online version of that, Atlas, which is a, there's a free tier available as well. But I'm curious, what other elements do you have in your stack? What else um, helps you offer this as a service? Um, I think uh, Nick already mentioned it. It was mainly the, the mailing system. Uh, the mailing service was also part of the, the component. I have to look at which mailing service that provide provide a, an easy template that I can tailor my email to so that it will you know have a better a better way. Because uh, I don't just get an email that has you know oh it will look fishy to people. So it has to be really professional. So that was that was also a very important component because at the end of the day, people would just see, oh, it goes to the spam, to the spam, the spam mm -hmm. list, and then 
the the main purpose of the service will be used useless. So mm-hmm. um, I think that that's part of it. And also, I think uh, for MongoDB, I would say uh, with Atlas, uh, we have a limited storage, right? So I was looking at if there was a way I could connect uh, my S3 buckets into Atlas because with uh, with that it's going to be you know unlimited storage and I control the storage. Uh, unfortunately, that wasn't it. So um, yeah, I think uh, that's one of the uh, the possibility I will see if MongoDB could have that that flexibility. Like okay, you can use you can add your uh, your S3, but with this cost, I think yeah, we can. Yeah. Can go for it. Well, it's, yeah. it's funny you should mention that uh, because we do built right into MongoDB Atlas. We have this feature that was released a little while back called Data Lake. And with Data Lake, you have the ability to uh, to access object stores in the same way that you access MongoDB. So you can connect up your S3 and depending on how you're storing your objects, whether they're in JSON or TSV, CSV, whatever the format might be, um, you have the ability to treat those as uh, document objects and and query those just as you would a, a standard MongoDB database. So maybe something something to look at in the future. Yeah, I will look at it. I will look at it if it will uh, fit with uh, all the requirement needed for Web Builder IO. Yeah. So a phenomenal project, and and I, I love the uh, the potential of it. I like I said, I've got a number of a number of use cases that I have already in mind um, to use it. Um, I, I, I work with a, a nonprofit and we exchange um, files on a regular basis. And it's always a challenge because many of the, the folks that I work with are not technical. They don't have access to Gmail or, uh, or, or Dropbox or these things. And I think this is a really good way to do that. So I'll be looking forward to using it. But what else, what else is going on with you, Elaine? What else do you do in your free time? Tell us a little bit about your, your personal side. Oh, thank you. Um, on my free time, I really just try to get away with my keyboard, but sometimes you can't because, oh, I have this idea. I have to study. I have to study. So I try to uh, relax, catch up with my friends, uh, go. Uh, and also, uh, lately, since I moved to New York, um, I started reading books, actually, which is interesting. Um, there is this one book. It's called Move Your Bars by Ron Clark. Uh, so basically, it tells you about uh, different type of people uh, we are in, like the way we, we run our lives. So you have runners, you have walkers, you have joggers, riders, and uh, drivers. Um, so reading is also part of my, uh, you know, just when I want to unwind my mind. And uh, mm. yeah, and also uh, I spend a lot of uh, some time at church and uh, we have a ministry that's called uh, tech art. So basically for me, I just spend some time with, uh, with the sound system, you know, playing on the, uh, on the sound and helping our choirs and, and the worship team. Yeah. That's great. That sounds like a full life. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've, I've enjoyed the chat. Um, Nick, anything else? No, no, this this was fantastic, and I, I love that uh, you volunteered to be on this this podcast because we we definitely want to hear from people in our community. We want to know what people are working on uh, in a technical sense, and it's a great way for not only that to le- for us to learn about what people are doing, but people like you get a chance to promote what you're doing uh, with with Ybits, for example. Um, so 
is there anything else that you wanted to add to this episode for the for the listeners? Any kind of shameless plugs or this is your opportunity? <laughs> yeah, sure, totally. Um, I think for to all our listeners, I will uh, you know go and try use YBZORIO. It will make your life easier. Um, uh, uh, they have also to um, you know, be in the lookout for our CLI tool, which will really help a lot of people for. For all the uh, you know, all the people who spend their time on the command line, the on the terminal, and that command line will really help them to uh, to take to take off YBDRIO to their full potential. And um, yeah, it was really great to be in this podcast, and uh, also very happy to see what MongoDB is doing. Uh, there are so many features that uh, a lot of people should leverage. And sometimes I ask myself, why do people don't really use MongoDB, right? Uh, and also one thing I want to comment is that if there is any teacher listening, they should add uh, MongoDB into the curriculum because it's so uh, it's unfortunately people still, they, they're not integrating uh, NoSQL databases in the curriculum. They're still teaching those other ones and uh, they're, they're missing some great features because when people go into the workforce, these are the newer technologies they will face. And uh, if they get the opportunity to explore that a little bit in the schools, it will give them, a, you know, a lot of, uh, um, you know, give them a lot of uh, potential um, on the hands-on. They will already have some hands-on experience. Mm -hmm. That's great advice. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Elaine. We were happy that you made it on. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Uh, happy to be here. And thanks for having me. We hope that you got a lot out of this episode from Elaine and how he's using GridFS and how he's actually a part of the MongoDB community. If you want to learn more about his project, you can find it at ybits.io. Or if you want to reach out to him on Twitter, his Twitter handle is ASNIP and then the number eight. If you enjoyed this particular podcast episode, it would mean a lot to us if you went into Apple Podcasts or whatever network that you're currently listening from and left it a five-star rating and then maybe even said something nice about the podcast itself. If you want to get engaged with MongoDB, go ahead and go to community.mongodb.com and that's our official forums. Thank you. Thank you.